We've come to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, but we would be doing injustice to verse 12 if we didn't remind ourselves of what has come before. We've actually used the words, we've sung the words a bit, and in here we hear a phrase, particularly, well, in verse 9, and we'll look at that, and then at verse 10, we'll look at that, but then there's this one phrase that keeps coming up that's worthy of our attention. Because here we know we're putting on the new self, we're receiving a new life. Christianity and becoming a Christian is not turning over a new leaf, it's receiving new life. So we've received this new life, and then there are certain things that describe that new life, and, and, and we've seen those read, Cynthia read those for us this morning through that passage, things we put away, things we put on. And then it begins to describe something different in verse 9. It says this, it says, says, you have to put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self. And so it begins a picture that clothing is a symbol, a metaphor, if you will, for how we might receive the new and put off the old. But what's interesting and worth noting and essential if we're going to understand verse 12 and following is that it's not just an individual reality because something happens significantly in verse 11. It's not on your screen, but if you have your Bible, you can look along with me. It says this, and it reminds us it's not really about you. It's not really ultimately about you and who you are. It says here, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave. We read it out loud together, which is so helpful that we did. Free, right? Not slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. But Christ is all and in all. Would you say it with me? Christ is all and in all. One more time. Christ is all and in all. And with that last word of verse 11, there's a transition in the passage that reminds us that, okay, we've received this new life in Christ, but now this new life in Christ is not just some sort of interior renovation, though it certainly is that. There's an exterior reclamation of Christian values. And we actually see them in the verses that follow. Let's take a look at verses 12 through 14, which will be my focus today. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. But above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, again, you can't miss this whole passage, talked about last week, the week before, without seeing that there's clothing involved. Now, I'm no fashion king by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I'm kind of simple. I wear the same black shirts every single day. It gets me through the day and through the week without having to think. But here in this passage, there is a clear sense that we're to take off some things and put on some things. We're going to talk about the timeless clothing of Christ the timeless clothing of Christ, which means that to clothe ourselves with Christ or to put on Christ, which in a sense means to be godly, to live a godly life. Now, now again, th th those are great spiritual phrases, but, but what does the spiritual fabric look like in the flesh? If we're taking it off the old and putting on the new, what does it look like? And perhaps in this case, most importantly, from verse 11 to verse 12, there's a subtle but essential shift that it's no longer just about your spiritual life, though thank God that I am a new creation and you are a new creation, but something begins to shift. We'll look at it as we go. Let's take a look through 
and we'll walk through the passage together, right? Number one is your new identity. Putting on virtues, the first thing you see is your new identity. And it's a reminder of such. It says this, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Now, actually, at the very beginning, it says to put on, but I'm going to use that in just a moment because it tells us who we are again. It reminds us who we are, that we are chosen, holy, and beloved. Now, those are three incredibly important, and I might even say incredibly powerful words, right? You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Don't miss that, right? You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Now, what's fascinating about this passage is this is not the only time that Paul, who's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who's encountered the risen Jesus, that Paul says something this way. As a matter of fact, he gives an expanded version of this in the book of Ephesians. Listen to what he says. It says, he chose us, chose, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, chosen, holy, and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as himself, adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Okay, don't miss this. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Now, thus far in the service, we've had you sing back and forth in a song. When the scripture was read, we had you read part of it. Would you mind saying this with me that you are chosen, holy and beloved. Let's say it out loud. loud. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Say it again. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Why? Because Christ is all and in all. So chosen, it starts with, oh, there's so much we could spend weeks just looking at this word. (laughs) But the special relationship of having been chosen by your father is, is a beautiful thing. Maybe you remember back in the days in elementary school when it was after recess and or maybe during recess and the kids were playing some sort of pickup game of ball or something. The most agonizing moment was at the beginning when you'd pick teams. Now, I don't know about you, but I was always the last kid picked on the team. And I still remember thinking, you know, you know, pick me, pick me. And so finally, I just sort of recognized that if I just wait, eventually the argument between the two coaches, captains of the team would be who gets Ed Stetzer, who doesn't necessarily want him on the team. And maybe you've felt that way at different times and periods in your own life. But when it comes to the gospel, God chose you. You are chosen by God. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. You know, we don't use the word holy much in our culture these days, but the word holy actually means set apart. And that might be, it might be an easy way to think of that that might help us, right? So a holiday is actually from the original wording, a holy day, right? So a a holy day was a day set apart. So we have Christian holidays, right? We, we have Christmas that's set apart to remember the birth of Christ. We have Easter as a holiday that's set aside to remember the... But we, we know these things, right? We think about these things. The 4th of July just passed us. It's a, it's a holiday set apart to remember the independence of our nation. Or, or, or you know, or, or St. Patrick's Day, it's a, it's a holiday set apart so we might dye the river green in our good city. Um, Thanksgiving to be thankful. Now, so here's the thing I want you not to miss, right? So if you're chosen and holy, holy means you've been chosen by God, so you've been set apart for his purposes. So he's given you a new life. You are set apart for the purposes of God. You have been 
made holy, which is why the Bible sometimes refer to you as saints. Sometimes it'll say to the saints at the church in blank, to the saints here or there. And we read this and we say, well, I'm no saint, but in the Bible, and well, theologically, you are. You are set apart. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Now, what's fascinating, again, even about this word beloved is, is it's, it's pretty interesting. There's the only time when it's used like this without a lot of further description of, of the character and the nature of being beloved is, is, is earlier in the book itself. And it actually refers to in Colossians 1.13, Jesus as his beloved son. So his beloved son. So we're beloved because of and because we're inside his beloved son. Now, I told you that the passage is really a transition to uh, kind of all in all, the plural, right? So it starts with how you receive a new life. It's, not, it's not, a, not a new leaf. It's a new life. You've been dead in your trespasses and sins. You've been made alive in Christ. Now that's you, but something changes in you, right? You're taking off the old things. You're putting on the new things. But I want you to notice that it's not just the new things. It's a not just the new things you put on, but it's the new community that we're called to be a part of. So we're going to talk today because clearly Paul's pushing us to acknowledge the new community in which we live. You see, you don't get a new life on the inside and get to act like a jerk on the outside. I don't miss that. I don't want you to miss that. Now, some of you are like, amen, amen. I know some people like that. You want to start naming names? Preacher, I got some examples. How many of you would say you've been hurt? somewhere along your life in a church by a Christian. Raise your hand for just a second. Okay, yeah. It's out there, right? It's out there. The reality is, though, it's also in here. It's also sometimes, sir, we like that. We've had a bad experience at church, so we can say, look at these people, but this passage is for all in all, right? Christ is all, all in all, so put on these things, you who are chosen and holy and beloved. Yeah, it deals with the jerk, but it also deals with me, who's sometimes impatient, who needs to slow down and be kind. And I bet it deals with you as well. So let's look at number two in our outline is the idea of your new nature. We start with your new identity. Now we're to your new nature. And if you look with me at Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, put on. Now then it said, put on you who are chosen and holy and beloved. So I took that out, but we remember it. You are chosen, holy, and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, I've been teaching uh, a class all week. I serve as a professor at the Wheaton College Graduate School, where I work uh, most days. And I was teaching a class all week, and some of my students are actually here. So if I was in class today, I would stop, and I'll, I won't ask you to shout this out, but I would stop and say, what kind of characteristics are these? And we would look at them, and we would talk about it, because it doesn't say, for example, to be moral, though that would be something that the verses before speak of, right? It doesn't say, for example, to, um, to avoid looking at things you shouldn't look at. There's a certain characteristic of all of these, well, mentioned attributes, and they're all things that are experienced in community. You see, Christ is all, and all in all points us to a shift that your new nature is going to put you in a new community, and each of these virtues is a relational virtue. Each of these virtues is a relational virtue. So again, earlier we see we made alive in the Spirit, but now since we're new creation in Christ, we need to put clothes on that align with 
who we are in Christ. And regardless of who you are, these attributes don't come naturally. So we're reminded that God supernaturally works these things in us, but in the context of community. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm guessing, at least for me, that there's not a single person here who can look at these several attributes, right, and say, I need to work on some of these. So no one at this point gets to check out and say, Ed's preaching kind of about jerks today. No, I'm talking about me and you, and we don't often see ourselves in that light. So, but here's the thing. If being a Christian is making you mean and judgmental and angry where you consistently look down on others, that's not Jesus shaping your character. That's something else. Now, there's a lot, a lot going on here. Compassionate hearts. Right? That's beautiful. Kindness. Humility. Here's an interesting fact, right? Uh, sometimes the Christian writers would make lists of virtues, and there weren't dissimilar lists in the culture of that day, but nobody in the Roman Empire talked about humility as a virtue. That's not how they thought. But we see in Christ his humility, and so Paul writes about the humility that's there, or meekness and patience, right? These are all things that we see come from Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 12, he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. If you have those attributes, that is love. And then Ephesians 4.32, we're reminded as well, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. So the call here is how we relate to one another in community. Christ is all, all in all. Now all of us being changed by the power of the gospel, taking off the old nature, putting on the new day by day. Now don't miss this, right? It's, it's complicated in the original language here that the New Testament's written in Greek. And rather than impress you with all the specific details, I want you to know that the syntax of this whole section is so tightly woven together. You may have noticed I had to break it up a little bit, right? Because I put put on these things, but as put on, you are who are uh, chosen, holy, and beloved. But I took it apart so we could look at it, but it's so tightly woven together. Who you are, and who are we? Let's say it out loud together. Are you ready? You are chosen. Okay, so that's who you are, is so tightly woven in the Greek here that it's like two sides of the same coin. So who we are, who you are, who I am, as chosen, holy, and beloved is just so just impossible to connect from how we relate to others with these compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Now, these are clothes that we wear that are put apart. You know, we, we do that just everyday life, right? All of us could recognize maybe we need to put on some clothes for different things. There are dress shoes for fancy events, right? We put on. There's a, maybe an Easter dress or an Easter suit, you put it on. There's, there's, a, there's maybe a, a wedding dress that you wear or the, or the groom wears a suit. Uh, there's, there's gym clothes. There's gym clothes. You go to the gym. I'm not familiar with those, but I've heard that those exist. So, <laughs> so all of these things are clothes that we put on because something's special. So now here's the thing I don't want you to miss. When it comes to being followers of Jesus, the clothes that we put on are not because it's a special occasion. It's because we have been especially chosen, holy, and beloved. And the other side of the coin of being chosen, holy, and beloved are attributes that come out of your new nature that put you in right community with other people. 
And it's something we all can learn. You know, patience is something that as I was walking through this, the Lord was kind of reminding me to grow in this area. And, you know, have being the father of three daughters is really just a never-ending decade of patience learning. Um, those last 10 years, and I'm assuming about 10 more to go. But, you know, when we slow down and listen, we see more, we love more, we encourage more. And I'm trying to apply that in my own life. I read a story preparing for the message this week about a taxi driver in New York City, how he thought he'd get one last quick drive through the city, see if anybody needed to be picked up. So he arrived at the address, beeped his horn, waited a few minutes, nobody came out of the house. Um, I've ridden a few New York City taxis. It's unusual that a taxi driver would do this. So he, was, he was tempted to drive away, but something told him to go knock on the door, so he did. And out walks a small, old woman in her 90s. She gave him the address to go to, but asked him to drive through downtown. He learned that she was actually on her way to hospice and had no family left. So for two hours, he took her throughout the city. He writes this. These are his words. His words. We drive through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she'd ask me to slow down in front of a particular building or corner and would sit, sit staring at the darkness, saying nothing. She was finally tired, so then drove, I drove her to, he drove her to the hospice. The driver refused to let her pay. He writes this, almost without thinking, I bent over and gave her a hug. She, tell, she held onto me tightly. She said, you have given an old woman a little moment of joy, she said. Thank you. I squeezed her hand, and then she walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of a door closing on a life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly lost in thought. For the rest of the day, I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver or one who was impatient to the end of his shift? What if he had refused to take the run or had honked once, then driven away? On quick review, I do not think I had done anything more important in my life. So that's what it's like to listen and be patient. I don't know about you, but I need more of that in my life. So as I read this passage, different things jump out to me, but that jumps out to me. I wonder what jumps out to you. Because if we're going to be in community with one another, part of what we have to grow in is these attributes that are relational. And we need compassionate hearts towards one another, kindness towards one another, humility towards others, meekness towards others, and patience towards others. And if our first reaction is to just get mad, they changed this at the church, or this person said something I didn't like, at the church, or I'm mad about this at the church, what happens is those attributes get lost and we can say, I love Jesus, I love the Bible, but I can't seem to get along with other people. That's because these attributes have not taken root in your heart. You are chosen, holy and beloved, so put on your new nature. You are chosen, holy and beloved, so put on a new nature. Again, you don't get to have a new life on the inside and not have these attributes of Christ on the outside. It's all in all. Are you following with me? Christ is all and in all. You are chosen, holy and beloved, so put on that new nature. And these attributes here, I mean, we find attributes other places in the, the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, for example. We find those other places. But it's not a mistake that all the attributes Paul lists here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit are relational attributes. So here's the deal. You've heard the last few weeks that we've got this new life, right? This new self. We've put off the old man, which always sounds like a strange phrase, right? You're putting away the old man. What does that mean? Well, that talks about the old man of the flesh, 
Uh, each of us, men or women, have this spiritual reality that part of us is old men and to be discarded. We heard last week about how it's sloughed off like a, like a caterpillar, sloughs off and becomes a butterfly, like a, like a snake, uh, sloughs off his skin. That's what it's supposed to be like. And then the new man or woman comes. We're made new in Christ. But the distinction that Paul is bringing here, it's not newness in isolation. It's newness in community. And that makes it hard. You know, I think one of the hardest things in the Christian life is actually getting along with other Christians consistently. And it's not always easy. You know, we were talking this week in class and had people from nine different countries, I think. Or I don't remember, seven or nine. And um, we're talking with several missionaries. You know, the biggest reason that missionaries quit the field is because they can't get along with other missionaries. Say, if missionaries who are like, the, I mean, there's like, I mean, there's like regular people, and then there's maybe like a tier or two of like more holy people, and then there's missionaries, and missionaries sometimes struggle to get along. This is why Paul doesn't just stop and say, all right, you got a new self, you take off the old self, you put on the new clothes of the new self, and that's it. Then he says, but Christ is all, and all is all. So here are some relational attributes that you need, and I need. So we talk about the change, it leads to number three, your new attitude. See, to be in community, you and I need a new attitude towards one another and towards perhaps even ourselves, right? It says this, um, bearing with one another, this is Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. By the way, don't miss this. This passage directly appeals to the gospel and Jesus' death on a cross for your reason to forgive others. It says, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So here it is, right? You're chosen, holy, and beloved, right? So put on your new nature, right? Forbearing and forgiving is what this passage tells us. The gospel is our motivation for new living. It's the motivation for new character traits. The gospel is the motivation to put on our new virtues in Christ. The work of Christ and the Holy Spirit's power enable us to overcome, to take off the flesh, to remove the old man, and in doing so, put on a sacrificial love modeled by Jesus. So don't miss this because we are united in Christ. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can put on Christ and the virtues that are grown within us by working by the working of the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal. And let me just say to you, some of you who may be um, kind of following along this message online, I'm, I'm glad that you are. And, and there are sometimes more people who watch online than would be here. And I, I'm glad that you are watching online. But if one of the reasons you're watching online is, is that you have been hurt in church, I want you to come consider the fact that the people that you occasionally see on the camera shots here have also been hurt in church. And that hurt in church can go deep because you're kind of surprised. You think, well, people have come to Christ. Their lives should be totally transformed that they themselves from now forward don't do these things that cause people relational hurt, but they do. That's why Paul says we got to take stuff off, put it on again. That's why we got to take it off and put it on again. So I'm saying to you, if you are not here in part because you've been hurt by other Christians, let me tell you, the, the remedy of being hurt by a church is actually found among the people of God in a church. It's not always easy, but it means to be vulnerable again, forbearing and forgiving at times. And there's certain times that those things also require other action, and I understand that. But forbearing and forgiving, those are two words that we see here, right? You see them on the screen. Would you say them out loud with me? Forbearing and forgiving. 
forbearing and forgiving. There they are. There it is, right? So, so here I am just minding my own business. Last week, I'm hearing about taking off the old clothes, putting on the new clothes. Everything's sounding great. I'm a new creation. I'm kind of walking as this autonomous individual. I just get to know Jesus better. Maybe I grow to know the Bible more. And then all of a sudden, I got to start forbearing and forgiving. Well, that doesn't sound as much fun. Can I tell you, it's not sometimes that much fun to wrestle with people who've, we've misunderstood one another, to forgive people who've hurt us, even to get over some of our pet peeves in church and elsewhere. Man, I got pet peeves. Why do some people not use their turn signal? Is it hard? I mean, it's right there sticking out of the side of your steering column. All you gotta do is go click, and then there you are, you're done. It's, not, it's, it's way easier than using your gas pedal, your brake, just click and you're done. And, 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 and why do some people use their cell phone like it's a speaker phone? You've been around somebody and they're sort of like, hey, I'm, I'm talking here. And you're like, I'm, that's not how it works. It has a speaker for your ear. And you know what the biggest issue in America is today? Slow drivers in the passing lane. I think somebody should amen over that. Yeah, yeah, you know that, you know, you know. Now I need to, give me just a second. I need to read a passage of scripture. <laughs> Bearing with one another, and if one has complaint, you see, we all got those pet peeves. We got to come back to them and say, Lord, I even give them over to you. And in the church, it's even a higher and perhaps more beautiful level. Listen to this. It says in Galatians 6 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So I'm, this is so powerful. So not only am I going to forgive and forbear, I'm going to bear with. So here's the deal. Here's what most people want in church. What most people want in church is sometimes an occasional misunderstanding that, oh, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. You didn't mean to say uh, happy. You meant to say ugly or something like that. I just misunderstood a word you pronounced, right? And so, so that's it. But that's not the way it works. The Bible literally says we're going to have to forbear with one another. In other words, i got to stick with you in some of the tough times when you've done dumb things and I've done dumb things. And you know what Moody Church needs right now in the midst of this interim? A church that is deeply committed to one another, even in the midst of sometimes struggles and disagreements and frustrations and more. See, what makes Moody Church a great church is not that it's a great building with 3,750 seats. It's not that it has a wonderful orchestra. It's not that it has a great choir, though it has all of those things. It's not that it has a great staff. It's not, it's not that it's got a great location. It's got all of those things. What makes Moody Church a great church is when it is a church that bears one another's burdens and thus fulfills the law of Christ. Anything else the club can do. Someone can be in an optimist club or someone can be in an Elks Lodge and have a nice building and a nice location. We have Jesus and the love he gives for one another. Amen. And when we have that, we've got, don't you miss this, we've got to work on that. I wish, I wish Colossians chapter 3 ended at verse 11. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the greatest passage in the whole Bible? Put to death, therefore, what's in you. I'm done that. I got rid of all. I'm not doing most of these things that are listed here. I'm not lying to people, right? There's no Greek. There's no Jew. There's no circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, or slave-free. But we're all just kind of one. We're all in this. But Christ is all and all in all. And then because of that, I got to put on these relational attributes that are not natural to my being and are not natural to yours.
I don't want you to miss those things, right? Christ is all and all and all. So what are we talking about here, right? You, you are chosen, holy, and beloved, right? So put on your new nature. Forbearing and forgiving, right, in love. And that points us to a new reality. Let's take a look at number four and finally your, your new priority, right? Talk about your new identity in Christ, your new nature, these gifts that flow from your new nature in Christ, types of fruit, if you will, your new attitude, which specifically deals with how we're going to bear with one another. Again, building an outline along the outline, your new identity, you are chosen, holy, and beloved. Your new nature you have to put on with the fruits that come from it. Your new attitude is forbearing and forgiving, but your new priority, and our fourth and final point, your new priority is love, is love. And above all these, it says, and above all these, put on love. Now, don't miss that. Those five things were pretty significant, right? And then above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, it's kind of interesting. Um, what does it mean, above all these? So love is the most important thing. But the clothing metaphor is sort of throughout. So what goes on the outside above all the other clothing that we put on and I couldn't help but think that it kind of reminds us of a belt, right? Above all these things put on love. This is clearly not my belt. <laughs> this is Michael Belt's, Michael Best's belt. <laughs> so if you see Michael Best, he's walking around holding his pants up wherever he might be. <laughs> I walked into his office this morning, I said, do you have a belt? And he looked at me like, why? And I said, I just need your belt for a sermon illustration. He, so he checked his pants and said, I mean, okay. So he's, because he loves Jesus. You know, he's the youth pastor. He'll do crazy things. But he's also, uh, he's also the, you know, he's teaching Sunday nights, preaching here on Sunday morning. So this is Michael Best's uh, belt, right? So, um, so here's the belt here. So now what does a belt do? A belt goes on the outside of something, and it is perhaps the most prominent thing. Right now, I'm wearing a belt. You know, I've got a belt right here under my vest. I'm wearing a belt. But in most cases, particularly if you were wearing the kind of clothes they'd wear then with robes that would flow over, the belt would sort of go across the front and would be that which holds it all together. So in case you're wondering what holds all of these things together, it's not Michael Best's belt. He's not the most godly person in the entire world and sinless and holy. But he sure is a good brother in the Lord, and one of the reasons he is is because he has put on love as a priority. Remember, you are chosen, holy, and beloved. Put on your new nature, forbearing and forgiving in love, the belt that goes around. Now, now listen, some people really love to tell others that they're mature. They love to show off how much of the Bible they know. As a matter of fact, they mark maturity by the fact that they've sat under preaching for 40, 50, maybe 20, number 10, whatever, for decades. They say, look how much preaching I've heard. I've been at this church this long. I know all this Bible. I can tell you about the Jebusites, the Amalekites, and the Mosquito Bites. I got them all down to a science. And I want you not to miss this, okay? I don't care how much you know, I care how much you love. And somebody say, well, my neighbors, they won't listen to me. Maybe they won't listen because they don't know how much you love. It's actually an old expression in the culture. They won't listen to how much you know until they hear how much you care. So why is this a priority? Well, certainly it's a priority here. Above, not, not like similarly, not like in the same manner. Above all these, 
put on love. A belt outside all the other garments, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Say those two words with me, would you? Perfect harmony. One more time. Perfect harmony. You know, that's what a church is supposed to be like, like a body of believers in perfect harmony. Now, here's the reality. Okay. It's supposed to be like that, but how does it get there? By the intentional response of God's people to how God is working in their lives, acknowledging that you are chosen, holy, and beloved, so put on your new nature, forbearing and forgiving in love. That's the recipe for church unity. That's the recipe. Now, I want you not to miss this, right? Sometimes we want to measure maturity by how much we know. Sisters and brothers, can I tell you, I know in my own life I can have graduate degrees in theology and still struggle in some areas interpersonally, and so can you. It's not how much you know, it's how much you love that's the mark of maturity. You say, well, are you sure? Are you sure? Because I've heard people tell me they're mature because of how much they know. They say they want deeper teaching. They want, they want meat. And, a, and, a, and yet at the same time, I don't always see the characteristics of love and those relational characteristics with others evident in their lives. Well, let's go on a tour, right? Let's look at Colossians 1, 4. It says, we've heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and of the love you have for all God's people. That's earlier in Colossians. Colossians 1.8, it says, who also told us of your love. And then Colossians 2.2, 2, that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love. So Colossians is about just all these amazing things, who God is and Christ is, and it's about loving one another. And then we get to verse 14. And above all these things put on love like a belt on the outside with all these other things. Remember, what, what, are, what are all those other things? I mean, he actually lists the, the attributes, right? He lists the attributes like we have compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, forbearance. He talks about forbearance and forgiveness. And above all these on the outside, holding it all together, put on Michael Best's belt. <laughs> no, it's not true. Matter of fact, you couldn't even put on Paul's belt, you know. You couldn't put on Jesus' belt. The belt's not going to make it happen. The belt is a picture of the love that is there. And that's your new priority. Matter of fact, Paul elsewhere calls it the most excellent way. So it's the belt that holds it all together. So, so, so again, there's this continual dressing and undressing metaphor all throughout Colossians chapter 3, right? But don't miss this. This is also important too. You didn't even make the clothing, right? So the clothing I'm wearing, I made none of it. I don't know how to sew. I don't know how to stitch. Maybe you did. But by the time that they were writing this 2,000 years ago, most people did not make much of their own clothes. So here's the reality. You don't even own the clothes. God gives them to you, but he gives them to you by his grace and says, put these on. You say they don't fit. Well, then grow in such a way that they will fit. God is the designer of these things. He wants us to put them on on, and when, where you're putting these attributes on, our church becomes united and actually engages in that moment of perfect harmony. So we heard a pastor search update. My prayer is by the time that new pastor shows up, we will be evidencing that perfect harmony. 
Because I don't want you to miss this. Part of what's going on in Colossians, remember we talked about this earlier weeks, is there's this group that thinks they have some sort of special knowledge with insights or visions, and they're kind of around the church of the Colossians. And, and so Paul says to them, you don't need to have special visions. You need love. He's saying you don't need a PhD. You need love. You don't need to go home feeling smarter. You need love. Love is the belt holding it all together. And because it's being held together, the church has perfect harmony. And that's what Moody Church should be. But it's only that when we are that. But one more thing. I don't know all the things that might be, God might be speaking to here. I don't know a ch single church in the world that can't say we need to be a more loving church. Maybe today, even as we finish our service, you'll ask, how can I love the sisters and brothers at Moody Church more? Why? Because you are chosen, holy, and beloved. That's one sign of the coin is your identity. So put on your new nature, those five relational attributes, forbearing and forgiving in love, two sides of the same coin. And love the belt that holds it all together. You know, as the interim teaching pastor, you'll be done with me one of these days. That's the whole point of it. And a lot of things I hope and pray, but one of the things I hope and pray is that together, we grew in our knowledge of Jesus. We were more filled with the Spirit and we became a more loving church. Because that's what we need, not just in times of interim, but certainly times of interim, but in every day. Why? Because Christ is all and all in all. Would you stand with me? Father, we acknowledge today that you indeed are worthy of all praise, worthy of all glory, worthy of all honor. We acknowledge today that we are chosen, holy, and beloved. Would you say with me with the word we? Let's say it together. We are chosen, holy, and beloved. Father, we thank you that in that identity we rest. It's not us turn over a new leaf. You've given us a new life, and we are chosen, holy, and beloved. And Father, in light of that, I pray the other side of the coin might be that we put on our new nature and the relational attributes that Paul lists here forgiving and forbearing. Just with your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, I wonder if there's something in your life right now. Maybe it's someone, because this is about a church. Let me just make it about Moody Church. This is about the church for the Colossians. Maybe it's about the church at Moody. Are there things you need to forgive or forbear, bear with somebody, with someone you disagree with or something that you're frustrated with, you're going to forbear with them? Forgiving and forbearing. Right now, would you just say, Lord, Give me those attributes of that new life that I might forgive and forbear. And Father, may the first thing we be known for is not all the seats in the room. It's not the building reflective of famous historical buildings around the world. It's not our traditions. It's not our songs or even our sermons. But Lord, may we be known for love. Just take just a moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Is that something that you're willing to be a part of here at Moody Church that we'd be known at an even greater level for love? So just make that commitment to him. Just say, Lord, I want to be a part of making Moody Church more loving. Just between you and the Lord. Lord, I want to be a part of making church more loving because Christ is all and all in all. Father, we yield ourselves to you today. We enter into this final time of worship together through this series, All In It For Jesus. And we're reminded that Christ is all 
and all in all. Would you just, in the same spirit of prayer you're in right now, would you say that simple six-word phrase with me, Christ is all in all in all. Let's say it together as we close our prayer and go into our time of worship. Christ is all and all 